Welcome to Work and the Future, a podcast about tomorrow, with your host, Linda Nazareth. Well, hello, and thank you for joining us today. This is episode one of a special four-part series of Work in the Future called Coming Back Stronger, sponsored by Microsoft. You know, we're still fighting this pandemic, and there's a ways to go, but we're also seeing some light at the end of the tunnel. We're not sure when it will all be over, but we have good news on vaccines, and at some point, we're going to go back to something approaching normal, whatever that means. But how are we going to come back? Can we come back stronger? Well, some organizations can and will, and now's the time to plan for that, to get ready for a world that's not exactly like the one we left, particularly when it comes to the workforce. Because during the pandemic, we tried out different ways to work, different ways to do things, and no one's coming back with the same agenda, not workers and not companies either. So during the four episodes of this series, we're going to explore all of this from different angles, different ways we can come back stronger. We're going to be talking to an executive coach who's dealt with crises in the past, and she's going to talk about what this is doing to workers and companies and how we can all get through this. We're going to talk to a company that's completely transformed how they do business and learn some lessons. And as well, we're going to talk to the president of a university. She's looking forward to a future where education doesn't end after four years, and we can make ourselves stronger over the longer term. To kick things off, though, I'm thrilled to be joined today by Jason Brahman. Now, he's the modern workplace lead at Microsoft Canada, and we're going to talk about workplace policies, what they should look like post-pandemic, and how we can get to a place where we want to be post-pandemic. So, so much to talk about in this series and so much to talk about today about coming back stronger. Please stay with us for what's going to be a great discussion. We're living in a world where the pandemic is dictating the parameters, parameters of what we can do, how we operate. But at some point, maybe within months, we're going to emerge from that world. Now, are there things that companies can be doing now to come out in a stronger place when we get to this new normal? To talk about that, I'm joined today by Jason Brahman. Now, he is the modern workplace lead at Microsoft Canada, and he believes that people are an organization's most important asset and that now more than ever, we have to empower them to bring their best. He joins me now. Hi, Jason. Hey, Linda. How are you? I'm just fine. Thanks so much for doing this. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. You know, there's so much to talk about here, but I always like to start by asking people about their own careers. How did you get to this place where you're talking about these issues and you are the expert on this? What took you here? Yeah, it's uh, it, it's been an unbelievable journey. Uh, I won't say exactly how long I've been at Microsoft, but it's been a good number of years. Um, but part of where I started was actually the ad agency. Uh, and so I've come out of the agency world where understanding buyer behaviors, sentiment, points of view, uh, this very human-centric sort of side of the world uh, was my foundation. Uh, and from there, I've uh, moved into a variety of roles and into Microsoft. Uh, and the nice thing is, is it's actually kind of my second time in uh, what I'll call this modern work business. Um, but it was, it's almost like two computing generations apart. Um, my first experience was one where we were still very much, I'll say before the cloud existed, if we can, <laughs> if we can even think about that uh, in a world where we kind of had software that was run on premise every three years um, versus the world that we're in today. So it, it's been a great journey um, over the years for sure. 
And now kind of going into an interesting part of it, this is a challenge a, a lot of us didn't even imagine, but let's just go back before the pandemic. You know, you talk to a lot of companies, right? Before we worried about safety at work and spreading disease, what were the major concerns you were hearing about? Yeah, you know what? It, it's one of those interesting things. And uh, coincidentally, I was actually just uh, on a call not two hours ago with uh, an executive leadership team of one of our customers, CEO, and his uh, his direct leadership team, uh, having a very similar conversation. And I think for me, one of the biggest pieces is uh, as much as technology is exciting uh, and gets lots of coverage is what's often forgotten is the human piece of it. Uh, and I have uh, many occasions where I have a chance to participate in events that we are hosting as Microsoft. Uh, and I tend to follow some of our technology, uh, more technology-centered conversations. And my first opening line is, uh, is there anybody in this room that believes their people is not the single most important and in often most cases, the most valuable assets in your company? Uh, and everybody puts their hand up resoundingly. And uh, so the, the core of it, which is this, this sort of genesis or this sort of central idea, which is how does technology ultimately amplify human ingenuity? Uh, and uh, I'm a deep believer that says uh, technology isn't going to replace humans. It's going to make uh, us, frankly, better. It's going to enable us to tackle new problems, new challenges. It's going to enable us to dream uh, of things and ideas that uh, we previously had never thought of. Uh, and so to me, it, it really comes down to this human attribute, which is how do we enable our people to be uh, highly connected and, and work efficiently, but really be empowered to drive our business forward, uh, to capture and, cap and capitalize on new opportunities that are created. And uh, that's really been the center of it. Uh, and now it's really about uh, how, do, how does that come to reality? Well, I mean... How is this taking shape? Because we have to come out of this pandemic resilient. This is a word we're using a lot, but it's absolutely accurate. Are we creating a workforce with the right skills in Canada? Like, what are the challenges that you see? Yeah, it's a great question. There, there's maybe two pieces that I would um, I would sort of frame. One, one which is uh, more than anything else is the questions that are top of mind for senior leaders and CEOs, which is, are my people actually performing in a sustainable way? Uh, and that has been, I'll say, deeply accelerated or agitated as a function of the pandemic, which is uh, the lines between work and life are blurring and, and becoming harder to discern uh, whether I'm working or whether I'm at home. Uh, and we're seeing that pressure build as it relates to well-being of individuals. And so there is this element to it, which is, can we take care of our people and what is that going to uh, require? How do we enable that to be true? And then the second, which is uh, skills. And I think uh, there's a really interesting dialogue, lots of statistics globally, I'll say uh, the world over that are not uh, void of us here in Canada, which is we do have a lot of work uh, and opportunity to th think about as we look forward. Um, Cybersecurity is an example, as many as three and a half million unfilled positions by 2021. Uh, we know just in watching the news that uh, cyber bad actors are not stopping. Uh, in any cases, they've intensified through this pandemic. And so great opportunity around security as we think about artificial intelligence and just that whole space around machine learning. Uh, it's just a profound opportunity. And the reality of it is, is most of the children of today's generations 
are going to be entering the workforce in jobs that don't exist today. Uh, and so we still have work to go do um, to create the skilling environments uh, that enable people to, in some cases, reskill. Um, but it's also about creating, I'll call it STEM oriented uh, learning curriculum that enables people to take advantage of jobs that, frankly, we not, may not even know of today. I want to come back to the reskilling part of it because this is a big part of the puzzle for sure. But in terms of creating this workforce with STEM skills, are you happy with what we're doing in high schools, universities, or the things you want to fix? Oh, if I had a magic wand, is that my opportunity? <laughs> um, <laughs> so I, I think we've made incredible steps forward as a country. Uh, certainly as Microsoft, we've made um, some pretty profound announcements over the last little while around our commitment to skilling and reskilling uh, here in Canada, but certainly globally. Um, there's an interesting piece, which is uh, I think curriculum is, is starting to advance. I think the pandemic has caused perhaps some pause in that, which is really adapting to remote learning and what does that look like? Um, but there's, there is this piece, which is, is it interesting? Uh, and are we creating curriculum that's compelling for uh, students to consider careers in those spaces and doing so in a way that uh, enables all students to find that same inspiration and that aspiration? And uh, obviously, a big piece of this is about uh, inclusivity and diversity, uh, which is today, I think we still have works, work to do to articulate what a career in those sort of future states may look like and the skills that are required today, just to inspire the curiosity in our, in our children um, that doesn't necessarily exist and hasn't for some time. Yeah, that's a good observation. I mean, are we selling this well enough? I mean, do people think this is a glamorous or fun place to work or are people still a little scared of it? Younger people? Yeah, it's a great question. I think, um, I listen as a marketer at heart. I think there's always opportunities to do a better job selling things uh, and marketing things. Uh, I think part of it, which is there's some ambiguity in it, which is the careers that uh, myself as a father, uh, certainly my father, uh, I'll say to me and to the grandkids in the family, which is there are generations that have a point of view and a perspective. Uh, those point of view and those perspectives. Uh, fall off a cliff at a certain point, which is their ability, if you think about how kids are growing up with technology today, uh, they may not be able to envision what those careers look like. And so um, I think it's hard in some ways to articulate exactly what those careers are going to be. That being said is I think there's an incredible opportunity to inspire that sort of that curiosity and that enthusiasm on the challenges that can be addressed through those careers. And so whether it's uh, uh, climate change, whether it's sustainability, whether it be accessibility, um, the list is really endless. Uh, and I think what's intrinsically true is if we look at the younger generation, they are inspired to tackle some of life's biggest challenges, uh, perhaps more so than any other generation that preceded them. Interesting how it will turn out. I mean, we talked earlier about reskilling because even the people who have entered these careers have to be kept current. The World Economic Forum says over the next five years, 50% of employees will, or workers will need to be reskilled. What's your view on that? Do you think companies in general are stepping up to this or is there more of a now let's replace them with newer skills mentality? Yeah, I think um, tech skilling has always been, a, I'll say, a priority for us uh, as Microsoft, and I'll say uh, playing a role as it relates to industry. Um, again, I think there's there's many sides to the equation. Uh, I think if you look at the pandemic itself, in a way, 
well, we can look at any of the cliches that say, hey, we've, we've, we're driving a year's worth of digital transformation in a month or whatever statistic or, or um, quote you want to use. It in and of itself is in many ways driving reskilling, uh, which is people are having to adapt how they work, how they get work done, uh, where they work, when they work. Uh, that is different um, than what we have been, I'll say, traditionally normed to of a nine to five, drive into the office, do our tasks and then uh, leave. And I'm being a little uh, maybe pedantic in sort of that clarity of structure. Um, but I think the pandemic for sure has uh, absolutely accelerated it. Um, but without question is, uh, is there enough intentionality? Uh, and in many cases, again, if you look at, I'll call it the leading companies, you see that intentionality of, of skilling plans. Um, uh, whether it be consuming, I'll say, online curriculum, whether it be, frankly, attending events uh, that we may host or that industry may host, uh, you see that. You see the demand as it relates to um, uh, building capabilities in areas that wouldn't, wouldn't have been previously thought about. You know, it's interesting you mentioned the online curriculum and, and training people. I have noticed in North America, there's always been an unease about doing this because companies think, if I train them, they'll go someplace else, um, mm. you know. Do you think that's changing? Uh, I, I think there's a reality, which is, can you afford not to? Um, and uh, you can always think about sort of that opportunity cost uh, conversation or equation, which is for companies to succeed and, and thrive. Um, and our president made a comment the other day, which is this Darwinian moment that we're in that I think is a really interesting one, which is... Uh, Companies that really want to embrace an opportunity to continue to participate in the economy, uh, continue to be attractive to uh, talent, be uh, great at delivering customer service and insights, you don't really have a choice. Um, and again, there's one of those things, which is uh, statistically from, a, I'll say, an HR point of view, uh, organizations that invest other people tend to have a higher retention rate as it is. Uh, and so I don't know that it's necessarily going to accelerate, I'll just call it the rate of exits from companies. Uh, but I think the bigger issue, to be honest, is companies can't afford not to, uh, given the world that we're in today. Because we are in the fourth industrial revolution, right? And this is you know, changing the world, it's kind of scaring people, because I think people look at this and say, it's going to eliminate jobs, it's going to change my life. What's your view on that? Yeah, I'll go back maybe to a comment that I made at the beginning, which is this deep belief, which is uh, technology can uh, um, accelerate, I'll call it human ingenuity or augment human ingenuity. Uh, I don't see it replacing it uh, a wholesale. I think there are certainly, I'll call it tasks uh, and or specific functions that may be uh, apt to be replaced by, I'll call it a robot, if I were to use air quotes for a moment. Um, but it's really about this augmentation of the work that people do. Uh, but it's automating the tasks that, in some cases, take up the time that isn't efficient use of time. Uh, and if we think about where we've come from to kind of where we are today, uh, again, speaking a little bit as Microsoft for a moment, when we think about uh, capabilities like artificial intelligence, we think about services like the Microsoft Graph, it becomes this foundation where your tools actually learn from you and how you use the applications or the services. And so it's no longer you learning how to use the tools themselves than it is the tools actually how, learning how to actually help you. And so this idea, which is, hey, how do you be more efficient at the tasks that previously took up more time, whether it be creative thinking or innovative thinking, uh, or simply just getting communications out, uh, that's really where uh, I think there's incredible opportunity and we're seeing the value. And it was a big piece of the conversation, uh, frankly, I was having a couple of uh, hours ago, um, where it's just 
the ability to embrace technology to sort of transform how you're operating, transform your products, transforming how you deliver customer care and support uh, can be scary. Um, but we've got incredible um, stories of success. Uh, CBI Health as a customer, uh, Canadian organization, uh, was a great example of that. Uh, predominantly operate in uh, the home healthcare and um, therapy space. Uh, obviously, deeply impacted as a frontline worker service uh, in the context of the pandemic. Uh, really embraced technology uh, to innovate, uh, and they're doing some pretty amazing things. Are there specific technologies that particularly excite you? Ah, that's such a hard question. Um, so I'll say I, I'm definitely biased, which is uh, I consider myself uh, super fortunate, but also super uh, humbled uh, in terms of uh, really seeing this um, platform that we call Microsoft 365, which um, for many is uh, the Office apps that everybody knows and loves, but it's really a much broader, um, I'll say, grouping of collaboration and productivity tools. I get to see how customers work with it day in and day out. Uh, when I think about the work inside of that, uh, obviously Teams is a big piece of it. Uh, it's really become what I'll consider, a, I'll say, a critical tool set. It's been a lifeline for many organizations and many individuals uh, in the face of the pandemic. Uh, we're spending a lot of time really sort of centered around this idea of knowledge and insights. And so if you think about that, that says, uh, as individuals in a work environment, uh, we use applications to create content, we connect with people, uh, we share knowledge, we build knowledge, we collect uh, knowledge. Where does that all go? Uh, and in a world where we now have five generations in the workforce, uh, obviously you've got new employees coming in that you want to be able to do the knowledge transfer to. You have obviously an aging population that will ultimately retire and you want to ensure that they don't walk out the door with that knowledge. Uh, that becomes a very interesting space right now. Uh, and then insights, uh, which is maybe back a little bit to one of my earlier comments is uh, how people are working, how they're feeling, what are the sort of telltale markers of success um, that enable sort of the high performers, but also can enable you as a business leader uh, to watch for things that maybe I'll say uh, the fringe cases, uh, and I hate to necessarily use that term, but are there specific teams or individuals that are not being as included as others or maybe lower performing versus their peer groups? Technology can do amazing things to build sort of those that knowledge network, uh, for lack of a better statement, because one of the things that's true that we've learned through this pandemic is uh, even when leaders aren't watching, people are getting work done uh, and doing so incredibly well. Now, uh, it's changed in how it looks. We have uh, children and we have pets that are becoming our meeting mates in many ways. Um, but uh, at the end of the day is uh, when you start to thread sort of that interest, um, that connective tissue together, it really enables you to learn amazing things about your organization and frankly, where you may need to focus uh, and where you may need to repivot to things like considering well-being well -being and this balance of well-being and productivity. And so um, those are probably the three big ones, which is this sort of broad collaboration, which is really this sort of lifeline that's become um, the reality for everybody, but really starting to get into sort of these areas of knowledge and insights um, to really fuel sort of inspiration and creativity and, and frankly, uh, health of organizations. Jason, stay with us. We are going to take a break, but I want to come back and talk specifically about the pandemic and how that shifted the landscape. Microsoft 365 is designed to help you achieve more with innovative office apps, intelligent cloud services, and world-class security. Get work done with productivity solutions and stay connected with your employees and clients, whether you're working remotely or on-site. 
Microsoft 365 allows you to safeguard your business data with a cloud platform that offers built-in security features for remote and hybrid work. Visit aka.ms forward slash m365forbiz, that is F-O-R-B-I-Z, to learn more about Microsoft 365 for Business. Hey, we're back with Jason Bromet. He is Modern Workplace Lead at Microsoft Canada. Now, we've been talking about the workforce and skills and reskilling, but I think we have to talk specifically about the pandemic, which is really a twist in the road for every company. How much has that changed the landscape? Yeah, it's uh, we think about it generally, uh, I'll say, as a once-in-a-lifetime generational shift in, in yeah, hopefully, uh, in how we work, where we work, how work gets done. Uh, and frankly, it's at dizzying speeds. Uh, when we think about it, uh, I've made sort of earlier reference, which is this idea of uh, a year's worth of digital transformation every month. Uh, we're in this unique position of, at Microsoft, which is this sort of uh, acceleration of what I'll call secular trends, but really seeing sort of these durable trends and how people work. Uh, and how they live and, and what does that look like? Certainly, I'll say for the last, call it eight months, um, but what it may look like as we move forward uh, in a hybrid world. Uh, obviously, a big piece of this is is the how people work. Uh, and I'll say today, in some regards, um, at any other given time, you and I might be sitting in a recording studio together, um, but we're doing this fully remote. Uh, and that has become the norm in every way, shape, or form. Um, but it's also inspired, I'll say, us and I think industry at large, which is. Uh, how do we think about building products and capabilities that are different, um, that adapt to this new world? And uh, a few examples uh, from our side, uh, Together Mode was something that we announced uh, some time ago. We've got some great, uh, I'll say, enhancements to that coming, which was really this recognition that in a world where everybody was remote and sitting on meetings all day long, as humans, we were tiring of these sort of tiled-based views of video. And Together Mode really enables sort of everybody to come together in one pane of glass. Um, but it's also about sort of this balance of, I'll call it healthy organizations uh, that I'd kind of alluded to. And so uh, we announced a couple of months ago a partnership with Headspace, which is recognizing that well-being is a critical issue that every company needs to be thinking about. And lots of statistics and research that we've done ourselves, certainly broadly available uh, across a number of uh, industries and, and points of view, which is people are overworked. Uh, those lines are blurring between work and life. Uh, and this mental well-being is a really important piece. And uh, so we've got this partnership coming with Headspace where we will actually bring Headspace's meditation service directly into Teams. Uh, we've introduced uh, capability to uh, enable what I'll call a virtual commute, um, both to start your day and end your day. Because what we realized is, uh, while you and I can sit here and say, hey, we don't miss our 45 minutes of uh, Canadian traffic trying to get to and from the office, what it does afford us as individuals and as humans is these moments of recovery, which is, hey, how do I get my mind geared up for the day? Or how do I get my mind wound down for the day as I head home? Uh, we don't have that today. And so we're actually introducing that again directly into technology, um, bringing services like Headspace in to create sort of these mindful moments uh, where we as humans can uh, recharge. Uh, and frankly, we're learning from athletes because they've known that for years and years. Yes, absolutely. The performance and then the recharging is part of it. But it's so much more difficult to do that now because, I mean, I'm a worker who doesn't work at one particular job. I do a lot of different things. And it's never really about, you know, starting a day and ending a day because it can be work at different times and maybe leisure at different times too. Mm -hmm. Is there a way to, to capture that? 
or is it healthier to think of a work day with an end to it? No, you know what? I think um, it, it's such a great point, which is um, the pandemic's really afforded everybody to, uh, in many ways, think about what I'll call flexible work uh, when companies didn't necessarily want to acknowledge it. And so we've seen all kinds of, uh, I'll say, uh, examples. And again, we certainly see this in our research. Uh, we can see it again. Uh, we're in this unique position where the Microsoft Graph is, frankly, the single largest, uh, I'll say, repository of work-centered intelligence that exists. Um, but it enables people to work as they need to. Um, and uh, I'll say, personally, I've had a long-standing point of view with my team, which is uh, I've always sort of cared less about the where and the when uh, work gets done so long as the work gets done. Uh, and I think the pandemic has forced every company to adapt or adopt some shared principles around that. And so whether it's um, balancing, uh, I kind of joked earlier about having my dog on my lap, uh, or it's about, hey, being able to take a call from the car because if we need to look after our children or we need to pick up groceries for an aging or ill family member, uh, those have become norms and those have become commonplaces. And the best part of it is, is it's deeply accepted. Uh, and I think we were long overdue for some of that shift. Obviously, we wouldn't have wanted it to come in the circumstances, uh, but I think it's a great thing. I really do. Well, that was what I was going to ask next is, do you think workers are going to come back with different agendas mm. post-pandemic? So the short answer is yes. Yes. Um, without question, I think, uh, again, is this has really inspired us all to think uh, differently about how we work and how we live and how we strike the balance of those. It's about uh, where we work uh, and how we work. Um, that uh, is, frankly, I'll say, compelling that sort of that caused change that I think uh, in many ways was sort of resistant for some period of time. Um, without question, I think uh, what's been, I'll say, an adaptive process uh, all the way through this journey is what is the right balance in that? Uh, and I don't know that we're there yet. Uh, and again, if uh, we can look at any of the research, and frankly, it's sort of covered in the news on a daily basis, which is this idea of well-being that I had sort of talked about. Uh, are we striking enough of a balance uh, in that process? And I think uh, individuals are learning as we continue to kind of go from days to weeks to months and frankly to an unknown uh, in many ways as we kind of look forward, uh, where I think we will continue to learn, we will continue to adapt. Uh, I think the great thing is, is technology is amazing at adapting to us as humans uh, and also gives us the guardrails, right? The ability to put messages, um, whether it be a status message or an out of office that says, hey, I'm only working between these hours uh, and these hours because I need to go look after my kids or these hours. Uh, it's, be it's been fun, which is seeing emails, uh, people's footers on email saying, that, hey, I respect your family time um, and uh, there's no need to reply outside of your working hours. And this idea of this more personalized sort of inclusive sentiment, uh, I think is a great thing for us as humans and as a workforce uh, that in many cases, again, I think needed a bit of a spurring. Uh, and I think we've seen that with the pandemic. I think there's a bit of a mindset, though, that we're going to come back to normal at some point, that we're going to get this vaccine and everyone's going to come back to work and it's going to go back to where it was. So obviously, that's clearly not going to be as easy as some companies thought. What should companies be doing now to be ready for whatever the new normal is? Mm, such a great question. Yeah, I think uh, lots of uh, points of view I'll say right now on what does that new normal look like. I think uh, inevitably what I would call it is it will be a hybrid world. Uh, and so that is hybrid of time at home, time in an office. Um, and uh, again, I think that will flex uh, quite a bit depending on industry. Uh, without question, uh, 
back to my earlier comment on uh, years worth of digital transformation every month, there are still a number of organizations that I would say uh, have not enabled technology to become a enabler for that experience for their people. And um, frankly, it's one of the most critical pieces that I think needs to be true. In some cases, customers and organizations will need to go back a little bit um, in terms of they move so fast to turn on uh, certain capabilities that they didn't necessarily do so uh, with the high degree of, I'll call it security and compliance that they should. And so would strongly encourage companies to think not only about, hey, do I have durable infrastructure and tools in place to empower my people to be their very best and, and drive my business forward, um, but have I done so in sort of a safe and secure way? Because uh, again, uh, the pandemic has absolutely created a platform for, I'll call it those bad actors to, to, to frankly pick up the pace. Uh, the, th the third piece that I'd maybe just add, which is innovation uh, and this idea, which is how do you innovate um, to identify new business opportunities and new business models coming out of this? Uh, we continue to see those shift day in and day out, um, this notion of remote everything. So whether it be remote sales, remote service, uh, curbside pickup uh, as another great example. This is a moment uh, for organizations that can afford to. Um, there is an element of it, I'll say, that is economic in nature. Um, but technology has become so accessible. And uh, I think the organizations that use this moment in time to say, hey, how do I use this sort of compelling urge to digitize and need to digitize uh, to take those plans that have been maybe there for sort of a three-year time horizon and get it done now? Uh, and I think those are the ones that we will see come out even stronger. And we're creating a new future of work as we do this. You know, the World Economic Forum, they had this report out last week. I'm not sure if you saw it, but they said creating a positive future work is as important as dealing with the pandemic or with climate change. Do you agree with that? Mm, I do. Um, I do. I think uh, I'll say maybe that brings together a bunch of the comments that I shared. Um, again, whether it be sort of uh, the pandemic or climate change or any number of increasing sort of prevalent concerns, uh, it underscores this importance of reskilling and upskilling. Uh, it uh, underscores sort of this importance of empowering with technology because technology can enable amazing things. Um, but it's also about um, this purposefulness about underrepresented communities. Uh, I think uh, obviously everyone's watching what's happening uh, in the U.S. Uh, today and or this week. Uh, I think it's just such a great message. Um, but this notion of creating a more accessible and inclusive environment, uh, again, in many ways, can also help address sort of that skills challenge um, that does exist. Uh, and again, I think it's um, uh, people's well-being is foundational. Uh, and machines uh, can only do so much, uh, is what I often say to people. And, and so this notion of uh, amplifying human ingenuity, uh, where humans are really sort of driving that inspiration, uh, and whether we're in the fourth industrial revolution or whether we're coming up to the end of it, um, we can sort of debate. But this idea, which is, hey, human ideas have for generations spurred creativity that fuels the next uh, generation. Uh, and I think this is a profound moment where we can capitalize on that. Uh, but we can't do so at the expense of looking after people uh, and their well-being. So we're at this profound moment. If you go ahead five years, final question, <laughs> what kind of business environment do you think we're going to have? Ah, wow. Such an interesting question. Uh, I do, I'll say without making, I'll call it future forecasts uh, of the commercial real estate market uh, in any in any country in the world. I, I do anticipate a uh, an environment where remote work is the reality. Uh, and I think in many ways, uh, 
we've what well, we've talked i'll say in in uh several aspects i'll say in the context of canada which is uh a remote workforce also creates a global workforce probably more so than anything else uh and so as we think about the skilling challenges that exist in frankly every market in the world right now uh it removes a lot of the barriers that may have previously existed to access capital uh human capital uh, that resides beyond borders. Uh, and so for me, it, it's, uh, it, there is this reality that says it will remain uh, remote. The second is this notion of, I'll call it um, augmented human ingenuity, uh, which is uh, technology will continue to enable people to do incredible things. Uh, and I think in many ways, it's limited only by our own creativity and imagination, uh, what those, I'll call it, things may be, uh, and the challenges that they may tackle. Uh, and again, I think we've seen sort of this natural movement uh, across the board for technology to be used um, for a host of what I'll call are some of the most uh, pressing issues that we face as uh, a global community, uh, uh, climate, uh, sustainability, uh, wildlife preservation, uh, you name it. Uh, and so I think you're going to see some pretty innovative work uh, coming out of that. Jason, thanks so much for sharing your thoughts today. Thanks so much, Linda, for having me. Jason Brahman is the Modern Workplace Lead at Microsoft Canada. Well, that's it for today. Thanks so much for joining us for episode one of this series. To learn more about Jason and the things he was talking about, please check out our show notes where you'll find his bio as well as some links. And if you want to connect with me, I'm on Twitter at at Relentless Eco. Now, if you did enjoy this discussion, please take a moment to leave a rating or a review wherever you get your podcasts. It will really help people find us and help us continue the discussion around the future of work. Thank you so much for being here, and please tune into our next episode, episode two, which will feature more great thoughts on how we can come back stronger. Special thanks to Microsoft for sponsoring this discussion, and as always, thanks to Stokely Audio for audio production. To learn more about work and the future and to see show notes, go to the workandthefuturepodcast.com. You can also contact us at comments at the workandthefuturepodcast.com. The Work and the Future Podcast with Linda Nazareth is a relentless economics production.